Hi, this is Brent Barber, the founding director of the Bicycle Film Festival, and this is Resonance FM. Ride on until the break of dawn, because you don't stop. Uh-uh. is the bike show on resonance 104.4 fm thanks art rocker massive over there putting away his records and welcome to the bike show and welcome to andy cox who is sitting across the desk from me and we're going to be talking a little bit later in the show about the symphony for singing bicycles you right, Andy? Um, very well, thank you. Did you ride over? Uh, unfortunately, I was unable to ride over, but I'm not sure we should really be going into that um, on the radio. OK, well, I might return to that later. I'll just check what the story was when we're off air. But um, before we get into the Symphony for Singing Bicycles, we are returning to the theme of bicycling and poetry, which we covered last year. And we're returning to Martin Newell, musician, poet, horticultural assassin, amongst other things, anarchist, and uh, general good fellow, good company, certainly is good company. Martin is a resident of Wivenhoe, up on the uh, North Essex coast. And last year, he began running a series of bicycle and walking tours of his neighbourhood, really, um, the sort of 10 or 15 miles around Wivenhoe, uh, called Spoken Word, where he would take a small group of walkers or bicyclists around and um, treat them to a little bit of poetry. And um, we covered it on the show last year, and it was an amazing success. And um, he's back again for Spoken Word 2007, and a new ride on the programme this year is a ride across the fields to Bentley Green and I started off uh, a fairly windy and rainy Saturday afternoon by asking Martin what route we'd be taking. It's my, it's my own route over farmland because I know the farmers. I mean, they are footpaths, they're not very well known when they don't have those little posts with stupid yellow arrows but you know you can traverse them then I, I'll take them where I can. It means I can get nearly five or six miles without actually going on a road which is great. And the destination is? Great Bentley Green, the biggest village green in, in England. So we're going from Wivenhoe to Great Bentley Village Green, mostly over farmland, over some very little lanes and then just one moderately busy B road. Lots of ponds, lots of ponds, quite a lot of woods, yeah. Well, let's get going. All right. Listen, I'm going to do this poem, because that is my job. 
Tilty, Wimbish, Stebbing, Shopland, Chipping Onger, Ingotstone, all the market towns and hamlets on the rivers Crouch or Colne, west of Walton, east of Easton, shallow bowls to Hanningfield, London's Breadbin, Lungs and Lovenest. Beaches, Birdland, Wood and Weald, Essex, Shaxes, Sheaves and Shield. Here the horsemen met for racing. Here the highwaymen were hung. Here the painter saw the skyline. Here the tide would poke its tongue in among the samphire saltings while the sun set sea alight. Here the smugglers moved the malmsey up the creek in dead of night. Customs cutter out of sight. Saucy, sexy, seaside Essex, driest place in British Isles, where the robbers took retirement when the Sweeney shut the files. Home of rock and naughty rhythms, pirates, paramounts and procal harem, hot rods, Ian Dury, Dr Feelgood, they were local, with Lee Brillo on lead vocal. Epic Essex, best for bike rides, liberally laced with lanes, pubs to punctuate the pedalling. Flower baskets hung on chains, coastal Essex, secret rivers, heron-haunted waterland, where the silver light in autumn lingers for a saraband on the shingle and the sand. Here are tales of long-dead writers, ghostly bikers, missing planes, council gardens, scrapyards, thatches, cricket matches seen from trains, yellow fields in dazzled springtime varnished by a Van Gogh sky, blind the copses and the spinnies where the rooks are building high and the world goes skating by, where the weather-boarded cottage waits in moddy monochrome, nestling with the new commuters and the future coming home. Envious London, stuck in traffic, simmering its quiet desires. Senses Essex, spanning endless, hazier than orchard fires, out beyond those distant spires. Actually, Essex has fewer spires, they have more in the south, but they have towers uh, on their churches. And this part of Essex, they tend to be built, we, we won't see the famous haunted church this time, but it's a, it's a right hodgepodge of stuff. All the stone comes from Kent, it's Kent rag, or it's borrowed old sandstone, or it's stuff the Romans left, or it's tiles, medieval tiles, they just bung any old garbage in there, you know. Any old city. It's the bodgery of 700 years, is in most of the churches around here. But they have towers rather than spires. The river Colne meanders slow through fecund farmlands, rainy green, a ribbon strewn across the floor of shallow valleys hardly seen or guessed at from the Essex shore. East to Colchester and on its ullages and spillages, the houses and their secrets tucked in hamlets and the villages around the chapel viaduct. To Ford Street, Ford and Bridge it goes, and idles by the Essex Way, strengthened by St Botolph's Brook, it sidles by the road to pay its namesake Roman town a look. Widening there, it picks up speed, skirting fields towards the mill, where it stops to pay a tithe beside the bridge below the hill, before it hurried to the hythe, haggling with the tide for business when the ship sailed up the colm, galleys, luggers, barges, smacks, buildings plonked like Toblerone where they once unloaded sacks. Now the new estates are fronting toy town wharfs that dwarf the marshes, Wivenhoe and Brightlingsea, wearing them like false moustaches edging up the estuary. Right, we're going to have to move because there's, a, an, industri there's an industrial farm vehicle coming at us now. So gonna... I think it's a bit wide. It's got a pretty wide trailer. Yeah. Do we need to go back? Uh, We've no. got this field of young wheat yes, on right. our left. We wouldn't want to trample on that. No, no this has never happened before. Is the, um, uh, the... We better go, we better retreat. Well, I think there's probably a way of doing it. We come round. He's saying he's asking I'll us. Know the guy. He'll be, he's be all right. beckoning us on.
Here the Saxon Sea comes hacking while the River Colne expands, Mersey Flats and Cokeham Hills, gazing south to Maplin Sands where the biggest river spills. Now the blood of other rivers, Crouch, Blackwater, Medway, Swale, Mingle, Eddy, dash the shoreline as container cargoes sail round the Thames's yawning jawline. Shimmying up that serpent river go the humble and the great, other rivers' sons and daughters, while the bouncers on the gate, Kent and Essex, watch the waters. Coalhouse Point to Richmond Lock, Galleons Reach to Watney's Brewery, Flotsam, Jetsam, Oil and Beer, Hogarth sits with Ian Dury, dreaming Cherry Garden Pier. Underneath that dirty duvet of the sky the river swells, carrying simple crafts to fame in a carillon of bells, drowning others in its shame. Carrying sons of Colne to London with a daubing or a ditty to the busy landing stages and the currents of that city as it has throughout the ages. Serious stuff, that is extra real poetry. Now we're facing a pretty big black cloud. Um, well, it's all going that way. Well, you reliably informed me that though the forecast was rain, we're 11 miles from the driest point. Yeah, a bit shorter than that now, about 10 yeah, no. miles from the driest place in, in England, which is um, Jaywick, actually. Or no, St. Osith, or to give it its proper, no, there's a very ancient priory there, St. Osith, or as the locals call it, Tozy. That's Tozy Priory, that's quite near Claxon. That's a nice place. Right, get a bit crowded on the roads back holiday. Benjamin said that Essex was. Um, he talked about the South, where he'd come in a shooting break with his dad. But he t he spoke of Essex as being a um, sweet, uneventful countryside, um, mirrored in ponds and seen through gates. And that is exactly when you see this very unsport bit, and it'll get it'll get even more awesome later on, because people very often don't believe they are in um, Essex. I'll see if I can find a. A germane bit of poetry for this. Oh, that's another thing. Germaine Greer lives here as well. I do have a bit actually that's uh, that's particularly pertinent to this. First bit I read Charlotte when I got the um, idea for this. I was actually quoting a bit of my own poetry about something that happens to the marshes here, and uh, she said you ought to do this. You ought to do do uh, do tours, and um, that's how this whole thing came about because I was spouting a bit of my own poetry while explaining about something and she said you could do this and it would be a good way of touring. This would be small scale sustainable tourism where you actually learned about your own 
bit of countryside and you didn't see it through some dry heritage industry spin where you say you're in Daphne du Maurier country. Not that there's anything wrong with Daphne du Maurier. It's a centenary this year. Um, but if you are going to have Daphne du Maurier uh, cream teas or Catherine Cooks and walks or Bram Stoker walks, why can we not get a living artist or a living writer or a living poet or maybe just even a countryman who can talk for England as I can and just get him or her to take you round the host countryside and say, look at this, you won't know about this because you might have only glimpsed it from a train. And um, we do it either by bike or on foot. This is one. It's about my mate Jamie, who's a shipwright, and me. In this old shed and that old shed, the sound of saw and adze was wed to mallet, hammer, chisel, file, and sanding, sanding all the while. Old boys who knew these waters here worked hard, spoke little, drank their beer, knew every inlet, creek and quay from Burnham up to Brightlingsea, told Jamie, shipwright yet to be, I shan't say none, you watch me. No more than that, and graft concerns since this is how the craft was learned in bits and bats and splintered wood until at last the boy made good. In salt marsh, towpath, shingle, mud, the Essex coast gets in the blood. In sea kale, samphire, gorse and sedge, which grows along the water's edge. Till further in, the wetland yields to hazy summer mangold fields, the copses, hedgerows, tractor tracks and pallets of potato sacks and houses hidden in the lanes with Flemish roofs and weather vanes, the churches closed or overgrown, with flowers left in grass unmown, except around a tended tomb, from long-lived bride to long-dead groom. And here a heron, there a lark, a curlew calling in the dark to break the silence in the night when moonlight drapes the boatyard white. And as the tides drain back to sea from many channel estuary, exposing ribs, remains of ships, the mud devours, it smacks its lips till deeper down and all around. The estuary's digestive sound on windless nights pervades the air when nothing stirs the maidenhair and marker boys stare up and blink to see the stars return their wink. The other thing about Essex is we're, we're living under a, a vector known to um, air traffic control, partly privatised I believe now, under our august government, um, it, as the Clacton sector. The Clacton sector is the busiest bit of sky in Britain, and if not in Europe. It's massively busy. Everything going to America via Iceland goes over here, all the holiday flights. I've seen it myself. I've seen it come over women coming back from Germany once. I don't do a lot of flying, but um, it's a hell of a lot of planes. And when you look up on a clear Essex night, you, you will see nearly as many planes as stars sometimes. So the dark skies people, you know, can, ought to get on that one because that's a very strange thing to happen. Uh, but you do see shooting stars. Well, of course, August. You get out in the Essex countryside in August. It is pretty dark and, you, you know, that's a great time if you're a star watcher, which I don't really have time to do, really, because I'm obviously in my garret writing. So we'll move on a bit. Well, we've just come off the... Uh off because, the off-road section. Because we are now on the road. We're on a typical, lovely, quiet Essex lane. This will lead soon enough to a beautiful old church, a freighting church, actually, which, um, like many Essex churches, is quite away from the actual settlement. So, um, this is usually for two reasons. One, they had the plague, or the Black Death, and the settlement moved away from the church, so the church stayed from the, away from... the church was away from the new settlement. Or, simply, that the Lord of the Manor was the guy with the longer, 
Oh, white van man has stopped to let us come past. That's very charitable. It is, thank you. Now that's a kind of courtesy from white van man oh, that one does okay. not experience in London. Look at these things about Essex. There's some lovely little horses in there. But, um... Sorry, where was I? Oh, yes. The churches and the plague. Churches, yes, they... Um, it was either they had to move away from the church or, or they just... The Lord of the Manor put the longer up for it and he didn't want to walk so far to get his kid, you know, christened, so... Um, you know, he built it near his house and the village and they had to come out to him. And in places like... in Suffolk, you'll sometimes come to a place that's almost a hamlet, a place like Blythborough, where the church is the size of a cathedral. And this is generally because Suffolk, or parts of this... Suffolk especially was very wool-rich. So a place like Lavenham, which is now tiny in terms of population, had all this wealth. Then one day the markets changed. So we left with a load of very expensive houses, a well-appointed moot hall, a huge church and no industry. And the place got run down for centuries and gradually refurbished by newly wealthy people. And here we have this tiny country church we're coming up to now, which you'll probably just see over there. It's actually a private house. We'll come to it in a minute. Well, there's probably about the bike. It's the sound of a bike which is part of the deal and the well-oiled whir of the sprocket and wheel for the sound of a bike is just distinctly genteel and it's holier now than the automobile to cycle in autumn where cars never go past workings abandoned to rabbit and crow with a willow-herb wind for the ghost of a train now the cinderpath track is a two-wheel domain or when sixty-watt sun is a strobe in the oaks and the frost goes to steam in the blur of the spokes and the forest edge echoes to birds calling back at the squeak of the brakes over jolts in the track. But when summer sets fire to the heathland again and the crowds from the town clog the road and the lane, you can travel first class in the quieter terrain on a modest device powered by pedal and chain. From the click of its gears to the crick of its seat, the sound of a bike has a subtler beat in the spin of machinery working its core than any contraption made now or before. I'm getting older and grey. I'll tell you something that happened to me recently. I took my daughter to school and I, you know, I walked away. Because it's, you know, it's about a mile and a quarter, good, good country mile to the school. And she walks, you know, unlike the other kids. You get to the school and it's just jammed up, you know, with cars. Like wasps going into a jar full of sugar, they are, you know. And, uh, I cycled back through the suburbs because it's quieter, because then all the same cars are cramming up the streets on the way back. So I cycled back, wibbled my way back through the suburbs. And as I was doing so, this little boy who was late for school, a five year old, with his mum, just pointed at me with my grey hair flying and, you know, drainies on a leather jacket and goes, Wow, look at that old man!
was the very personable Martin Newell uh, on the Spoken Word Tour, which he is doing every Saturday and Sunday, either by bicycle or by foot, from now until the 1st of July. And uh, just for your diaries, the uh, dates for the bike rides are as follows. The 27th of May, uh, Saturday the 2nd of June, Sunday the 3rd of June, Sunday the 17th of June and Sunday the 1st of July. Uh, so that's five more left in the spoken word season and it's uh, ticketed from £7 per person and you can make bookings and pay via the Colchester Arts Centre box office which is on 01206 500 900. That's 01206 500 900 and I can heartily recommend it. You might have got a little bit of the impression of what it's like from the feature just there but uh, that's really just only the smallest glimpse. It's absolutely stunning countryside. Andy, have you been up in Wivenhoe before? I, I, no, I've never been to Wivenhoe. It sounds like it would be a, quite a good place to go though. Yeah, I mean I was amazed at how how kind of far away it seemed and it was just an hour on the train and you've got kind of rolling fields and uh, forests and wetlands and all the rivers and estuaries and whatnot around there pretty good yeah it's kind of remote essex it's it's good it's definitely it's the bit that people don't think about when they think about essex anyway we're going to be talking singing bicycles after this <laughs> very much our hope here on the bike show on resonance 104.4 fm that come saturday the 7th of july this year there will be quite a few people in london going what's that sound <laughs> that is the sound of the symphony for singing bicycles but i have to rewind a little bit for those people who weren't listening to the show uh, over the last few months the symphony for singing bicycles is actually better known as Godfried Willem Reyes's second symphony and uh, we've done a couple of shows looking at this and Andy Cox who of course is in the studio with me today is I guess the artistic and technical advisor for this UK premiere of 
the symphony. I wouldn't have thought it was quite that grand. Maybe the tube saw that's, that's what I am. But um, talk us through what is a singing bicycle. Well, basically, you connect a regular bicycle dynamo to a loudspeaker with sufficient impedance and connect the speaker to a length of tube of varying lengths and then uh, pedal. And it's um, a sound somewhere between an angry motorist and a trombone. And the idea is that tubes of different lengths create different frequency drones um, and altogether uh, they make something of a raucous din or something extremely melodic because we don't know. I have never heard this actually take place, but we are going to put it on on the 7th of July. I mean, how do you think it's going to sound? Um, well, I saw, I was looking at um, a link on the internet this afternoon about the biclophon, and they used a phrase, cacophonic terror. So I think it could be either that or more quite pleasant. It's, it's difficult to tell because, as you know, we've only really heard one of them at once. Which yeah, well, is... we have heard one, and I'm just going to give a very quick blast of um, a, a singing bicycle. This is about nine seconds of a singing bicycle. So you get the idea. Um, but altogether, what, what's it going to be like? I mean, Well, th actually, that uh, clip sounded rather more pleasant than I remembered it, so maybe it's going to be quite nice. Perhaps like, well, that was after we'd fixed your dynamo. Oh, yes, you, the dynamo fixing is crucial. So that, that's why I couldn't call myself the technical assistant, really. <laughs> Artistic advisor, then. Um, so essentially, we need people to take part in this symphony, um, and we need a minimum of 12, according to the specifications. But we think that we can do better than that. We think 24, optimum? Yeah, 24 is the specified number. It says, yes, you say minimum of 12, but I think 24 is what the composer called for. And um, if you want to take part, and there have been a few bike show listeners who've already expressed their interest and uh, notably John T. Semper from up in York who has offered to take part with his wife on a tandem and 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 very heroically offered to take one of the larger tubes because the tubes are pretty long up to the longest length it's like 180 centimeters is it like no I think it was um no, I think it was 80, 80, 80, 80 centimetres. 80 centimetres, yeah. OK. Well, we, we've got the specifications down. It's not going to cost a lot. If you've got a dynamo and bracket, uh, that's already uh, something you don't have to buy. The speaker is, is just a fiver. Um, a resonating tube, we hope to be free. You've, you've been doing some research on the resonating tube because on the prototype you used a kind of plastic drainage tube, didn't you? Uh, yes, but I found that um, the cardboard tube that you get in the middle of rolls of carpet, the right kind of tube is going to work really well. So we should be able to pick those up free, which is a good bit of recycling. And, um, and then it's just the kind of paper overall which everyone's going to wear with the resonant frequency written on the back and i think we can pick up those up for a couple of quid each i think well maybe it was five or i think yeah okay well the details are on the bike show website we would love to hear from you if you want to take part again it's on the 7th of july um on the morning we're starting in waterloo and it's the morning of the first day of the tour de france a saturday morning so you can come and be in a symphony of singing bicycles in the morning and then go and watch the uh, tour de france in the afternoon Looking forward to it, Andy. Yes, it's going to be lovely.
All right, well, thanks for coming in. Thank you very and, much for uh, having me. Next up is The Clear Spot here on Resonance 104.4 FM. This has been The Bike Show. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Jack Thurston and the Bike Show. You're listening to Resonance 104.4 FM. And now it's time for the Clear Spot. And tonight's Clear Spot is presented by the author Jeff Ryman and is a look at rap in Cambodia. Um, the following music and interviews were collated by Jeff in uh, last year in 2006 in Cambodia. And this has been produced by myself, Tom Wolfenden. For the next programme, I Let My Ken Bead, Rap in Cambodia. <laughs>